Hey, everybody. Welcome to Scaredy Cats Horror Show Episode 3. This week, we're talking about the 1979 movie Alien with guests Danny Pudi and Carmen Maria Machado. Okay, here we go. Um, welcome to Scaredy Cats. We are on episode three. The This is the show where I make my poor co-host watch horror movies in the hopes that I will no longer have to call him my poor co-host because he actually enjoys watching them. Um, PJ and I, of course, are both in quarantine, and so since I can't watch the movies with him, we have set up what we call the Manzoukas rules, named for Jason Manzoukas from our first episode. Um, PJ has to watch all the films at night in the dark with nobody there with him. Um, the things that are not allowed are stopping and starting, unnecessary bathroom breaks, calling friends on FaceTime. Unnecessary uh, bathroom breaks. Okay. Well, there's a reason for that. I know. Because I you know. Said, I just, I've agreed to a very constricted life for myself. Uh, opening the curtains, checking Twitter or second screens. Um, so did you follow those rules today? I did. Just want to follow the rules. Okay. Good work. Uh, this week, our guest is actor Danny Pudi, who you might recognize as Abed from Community. Um, Danny, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Um, so, PJ, I guess the the, the big question I got to ask you is, did Alien scare you? I'm going to really surprise you here, I think. <laughs> uh, go ahead. I didn't find it that scary, and I <gasps> enjoyed it. Really? Yes. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, my God. I feel like... This feels like turning a corner in a big way. I am I so excited would hold on to, to your horses here because Everything. honestly, I have a lot of I have a lot of uh, questions and observations and feelings. Like I really, I really liked it as a movie, but like the big thing that I walked out of it wondering is like, did it not scare me because I am, um, you know, because like I this is sort of working and I am changing a little bit, or did it not scare me because? I'm not totally convinced that what I saw was a horror movie. Huh. So here's what I'll say. When they asked me if you would like to be on this podcast, I said yes immediately. And then they said it would be a horror podcast. And I said, I can't really watch horror movies, so I had to watch Alien. I rewatched it during the day because that's one of the rules I have um, implemented in my own uh, lifestyle is that if I have to watch anything remotely scary, it's got to be like noon. I have to have multiple hours of sunlight afterwards to walk it off, to shake off the scary. Yeah. So this movie is, I think, perfect because I actually really enjoy it. So in terms of horror, I feel like this is on the lighter end. What did When did you first see this? I probably saw this movie way too early. Um, I grew up in an immigrant household and we were just watching scary movies too young. Do you have, do you have a rough age estimate? Ooh. Probably around 12 or 13 years old. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's probably 12 or 13. Were you that's getting, all, like, fucked yeah. up by these movies where you're just like, oh, that's interesting. It's kind of – like, were you – were they getting in your head? Oh, yeah. I couldn't sleep for most of my childhood, PJ. I'm you in many ways. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you're on the, oh, yeah. Where – like, how close are you to me and, uh, like, where are you different? I think I'm clo- I'm definitely closer to you than Alex with this. I think I'm – I've learned to sort of appreciate films. Again, I have some rules for horror films. I can't really watch slasher movies at all, but I can appreciate certain films 
uh, like this one. It's so funny to hear you both say this because I was, I've been, one of the things I've been trying to do as an exercise, as part of this show, is to get in PJ's mindset, which is a lot of times he's talking about how, you know, he's trying to outsmart the movie and the things that he would be scared for. And so I was watching it in a, in a way where I was like, if I were, if I were a scared person, if I were a scaredy cat, as they're, <laughs> as they're called, um, how would I be watching this movie? And I, I, I started to find this movie really scary in ways that I didn't mm. expect. Wait, so you, uh, so you like, yeah, you Friday with me? What changed? I feel like we body swapped. Yes. Um, so the reason I picked this movie is because I feel like it's a bit of a synthesis of a bunch of different kind of movies for me. Like it's a haunted house movie at its heart in space. Um, I've heard Jaws in space. Jaws in space, but it's also kind of a slasher movie. It's like one person killing people one by one. Um, and it's got sort of Lovecraft stuff in it, sort of the, the a a like horrifying monster waiting millions of years for people to find it and awaken and destroy them. And most importantly, like the thing that I find most unsettling about it is that it has like a body horror component to it. And I don't know if that's a thing that you're familiar with at all, PJ. No, what does body, body horror, horror mean? Body horror is basically um, a horror convention where um, your body is is changed or mutates or falls apart in some way that's well beyond your control. Oh, yeah. And is u- uniquely unsettling. Sort of, sort of, like, David Cronenberg is the sort of er example of this, like the fly where he mm. sort of is slowly turning into, like, a half-man, half-fly through the movie. Um, yeah, I, I took a test once. There's this online test you could take that was supposed to measure what disgusted you. Hmm. And it was sort yeah. of like the Blade Runner test, but it was just all like you're walking down a road and you see like uh, a giant pile of like human feces, like one to ten. How's that make you feel? Or like you're walking four. down the road. Four. Yeah, I'm like a four. <laughs> all this four. All the stuff that was like I, gross, I didn't care about. But the body shit, like you see in yeah. a corpse with an open wound or whatever, that was what drove me nuts. So mm. in theory, I don't know. I'm confused, and I kind of want to walk through the movie because like I've been trying to think about i have theories for why this didn't feel bad before before we even do that why don't i just give the the two sentence description of this movie yes. so people know what we're talking about it's a movie about some people who are basically like truckers in outer space they're on a giant refinery in space that's returning to earth they get woken up by the computer because they receive a distress signal from a planet they go down there well, they think it's these- a distress signal they think it's a distress signal. And then there are there are these weird eggs, one of which uh, opens and a monster attaches itself to a guy's face. And then from that guy's body, an alien is born and they have to fight the alien. Yeah. That's kind of... Yeah. The rest of the movie is just like crew members dying one by one at the hands of this alien. And right. it's like evolving over the course of the movie. It's like getting scarier and bigger and stuff. So the the first scene where I was like... Oh, I'm scared. The scene where I actually felt the most scared, and it's, I don't think it's the scariest scene in the movie, but it was like where I was like scared of being scared and like felt horrible is like they're like puttering around the ship for half an hour and then they get what they think is a distress signal and they land on an alien planet. The planet itself is really foreboding and spooky. It's like black and gray and blue and like the first thing they see is this massive corpse of an alien. Ash, can you see this? Yes, I can. I've never seen anything like it. And, like, when they find the egg 
of the alien. It's just so like viscous Ugh. and lit and weird. Seems to have life, organic life. I, I think it was the part where I most felt also ahead of the characters where you're like, obviously this is where they're going to commit the transgression that is going to haunt them for the rest of the movie. Like, they shouldn't be here. They shouldn't be doing this. I wish they would stop. They're not listening to uh, Ripley, Sigourney Weaver's character, who clearly is uh-huh. the person who knows something. Like, that was actually the maybe the worst part of the movie for me. Was there. When the characters don't know what's going to happen, uh, and you do, does that upset you more because you feel powerless to save them? Or does it just make you feel like, okay, I know what's going to happen. Like, I can be prepared for this frightening thing. Definitely more scared. Definitely more scared. Got it. So, one of these eggs opens up, this creature jumps out, it sort of looks like a spider with a tail, and it also has, like, sacks on the side. It's really gross. Um, It attaches itself to this crew member whose name is Kane. It attaches itself to Kane's face, uh, and they take him back to the ship. Ripley, this is in order. Open that hatch right now. Do you hear me? Yes. Ripley, this is in order! You hear me? Yes. I read you. The answer is negative. And that that moment, I think, was actually a moment that shifted me because in a in a horror movie that I hate, it's constantly being like, don't go in there. Don't do that. I wouldn't do that. You're being stupid. In that instance, she's following, like, ship protocol. And she's doing what, obviously, you should do, which is not let the alien-infected person onto the ship. But I was like, oh, this hero is more capable than me and smarter than me instead of less capable than me and dumber than me. Yeah, when I'm scared, I like to be with more people. Yeah, versus me too. I think she was like, no, it's wiser to like shut it down. The other thing as we're talking about this that I realized is like most horror movies I've seen. Okay, so so in a way it's like a horror movie because the there's seven people when the movie starts out and one by one they're being picked off by this alien with one interesting exception. Um, but... <sighs> It doesn't feel like they're just being hunted. Like, it feels like they are hunting it, which is, like, to me, that's more of an action movie or a thriller. Like, they're trying to get the bad guy rather than just waiting as the bad guy kills them one by one. Do you know what I mean? In a way. So, I mean, I guess we should get to sort of the next big thing that happens. The thing that jumps on his face, which in the the parlance of the film is called the face hugger, PJ, because it hugs your face. (laughs) (laughs) Yuck. Um, it eventually crawls off and dies. Um, and Kane comes to, and he's like, uh, he basically was like, well, good as new. Let's go have dinner. Uh-huh. And so they, it's almost pretty much the next scene. Like, well, no, he gets then up, it's really scary because he's at dinner and he's like eating like fistfuls of ramen. Oh, yeah. And he's eating like a crazy person. Yeah. He is, he's just going at food. And His like, you know, it's looking bad. weird. You know, that's yeah. not good. It's not good, you know. There's just something, something's off. He's not really. There's not a lot of give and take between him and the and the other people who are able to eat and talk at the same time. I'm eating this. <laughs> there's a uh, there's kind of this weird sweat coming out of his face. Did that scene scare you, Peter? I felt scared, but I felt manageably scared. And I also knew, and maybe this is, I'm curious how it felt for you, Danny. Like, I know that the most famous thing that happens in Alien is an alien jumps out of somebody's stomach. (laughs) 
So yeah, I knew, I'm sure that that was like a seminally, like, surprising yes. moment for horror fans, but like in 1979 or whatever, but I knew yes. it was coming. Yeah. So that's, yeah, because uh, I remember that, the chest burster scene. It's, uh, yeah, it's a famous scene. To me, I'm like, I was watching this movie being like, okay, so I tried to transport myself back to when this film was made, and I think that would be... I think the key here, it's sort of like, you know, going back to a month ago and when my buddy put, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge in his background and Zoom, and I was like, how did you do that? Now, you know, everyone's on Saturn's rings or whatever. Or, yeah. You know, it's just like, <laughs> you have to remember what it was like. And I think then that was probably such a moment in cinema to have something like that. The visual effects are actually pretty minimal until I think that actual scene. Like, you really don't see much crazy stuff happening. And then that scene happened, and it's just, yeah, it is a shock. And I think I just remember hearing about all the stories about uh, how they filmed that scene. How did they film it? Well, I think a lot of it was sort of secretive, right, in the filming of it. Like, I don't know how much the actors were aware of what was actually happening. Um, They knew knew the alien was going to come out in this scene, but they didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. Yeah, is and, that what it is? Or, okay. Or 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 to the yeah. de- the degree or like sort of what the effect was going to look like. They didn't prepare him for any of that. Them for any of that. They seem genuinely terrified. Like er, people don't seem like they're acting in that scene. Yeah, I saw that they had collected different uh intestines and parts, I think Ridley Scott or maybe of uh oh, right. just to make it more real and visceral on the alien using pieces of intestine. And then um Veronica Cartwright, the the woman who plays Lambert, the other woman on the crew. When she got sprayed with blood, she was like so, she was so surprised that she, she sort of stepped backwards. And I saw a take of this when I was, when I was looking into this, she, she sort of, she sort of angled backward and fell, like flipped over a a, a table or something or flipped over something in the background and was like on her back and had to jump back up and continue acting because they were still filming it, but she was so freaked out. (laughs) I was trying to think of something that was comparable in my career. And I just remember one time in an episode of Community, they said we're going to have a food fight. And we asked how they, we were going to do that. And they just said, we're just going to roll the cameras and see what happens. And they covered all the cameras with like plastic. And I was scared <laughs> <laughs> because there were just plates of spaghetti handed out all over the place, <laughs> bowls of mac and cheese, and there were no rules. This is on another level. That actually sounds very fun. I'd rather rather be like macaroni than viscera. uh, It's it's, it's a, yeah, different level of fear. But, I mean, yeah, the reactions feel very real in that scene. One of the things that I I mentioned earlier that I was finding it more unsettling than than I have in the past watching this movie. And part of the reason that I felt that way is because... You know, I remember the movie as a series of sort of iconic moments, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, fa- the, the face hugger jumping out and grabbing onto his face and like the chest burster bursting out of his chest and the alien sort of appearing out of the darkness here and there. But um, what, what, I, what was giving me tension is just I kept watching it from the perspective of PJ hates the tension moments. Mm-hmm. And every scene where there was tension lasts so much longer than... <sighs> It should in a normal, yes. in like a normal horror movie. The uh, the character that's played by Harry Dean Stanton. Yes. Um, it, it, he, he, they're, they're searching for the alien and, and Ripley tells him to go back and get the cat. 
And the time from him going back there to actually getting picked off is like way more agonizingly long than I remembered it being. And I was just like, if I were PJ right now, I'd be stressed. Oh, that, so, so that scene scared the shit out of me. That's the scariest oh. scene in the movie for me is him with looking up and the water and taking off his cap. Yeah. Yeah, I was yelping yeah. there. Like he, he he's like he looks up and there's water dripping on his face and you're like that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> and then they flip to the perspective of the cat who's just watching. Yeah. Yeah. I will say in terms of like fear, oh, oh, I think it is unsettling. We've talked a little bit about just the levels of moisture overall in the film. This alien is <laughs> so drooly. Movie. It's so it's just such a drooly <laughs> alien where there's so much like uh, just a lack of self-awareness with this alien where <laughs> how are you going to trust this creature that just has so much liquid coming out of its face at all times? And then just overall, it's just like they go from a very warm, dry, central base around the dinner table, their hearth, and then anytime they go near the alien, there's just like water coming out of the ceiling. There's just like droplets on the floor. This alien is drooly and moist. And I think it's just that moisture, which isn't just like nice little droplets of water. It's like gooey and like gray. And it's, yeah, just this, this, this viscosity around, which just makes you feel kind of like, I need a shower. There's also like a weird sex vibe to it that I couldn't totally pin down. It's like mm. luby, viscous, fluid. And then the alien kind of looks like phallic. It is very also like got this weird movement to the alien, which I haven't researched. Or I, and I'm just curious about the alien itself. It's like a constantly moving. Whenever you see the alien, it's moving in this sort of like dancer kind of way. Yes. Right? He looks like he's at Burning Man. Like he's, because he's like, (laughs) (laughs) do you know what I mean? quality to him. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think for the, for me, the, the real horror of this movie pretty much is like the design of it, like the sort of weird, fleshy unpleasantness of it. You know what I mean? Like we keep, we keep talking about the viscousness viscousness and the dampness. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that is what body horror is. That's what, like, mm. something being inside of you and you having no control or even awareness of it and it popping out of you. Like, that kind of thing really, I find it really yeah. unsettling. And what's it called? The the guy who wrote it, Dan O'Bannon, he had Crohn's disease, oh, which is like a gastrointestinal disorder. And he actually died from it. Oh, wow. Um, wow. I, I, I saw an interview with his wife, and she was like, I think that the alien is just like him trying to externalize this thing in his body he had no control over that caused him immense pain. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. And I totally, like, I uh, was in a really bad bike accident in 2011. It really, like, opened my eyes to sort of, like, my body's fragility and, like, the ways it can be manipulated and fucked mm. up and... I had to have stuff put in me and taken out of me. Wow. <laughs> and that feeling of like I I seeing that reflected back on the screen, like having people losing control of their bodies, like that to me, like it's both unsettling and kind of comforting to watch. It's like externalizing that fear a little bit. And like for me, that's what Alien is so unsettling about Alien and like why I decided that we should watch it. I feel like this is an important step on the on this journey. I feel like it's a step. I feel like you I feel like you're like a doctor that's kind of like I'm like still pretty sick. And you're like, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. 
<laughs> but um, <laughs> name it, it just, to tame it. Name it to tame it. Let's <laughs> run the scenarios. <laughs> I do think this. I would not have. I Alien was a movie that I was definitely going to live and die and not watch. Um, and I'm glad I watched it and I enjoyed it. And that's a surprise. After the break, we talked to author Carmen Maria Machado about Alien, and we unveil the next movie, uh, which is a, a truly unpleasant prospect. Welcome back to the show. Um, so our guest, so we are very excited for our next guest, Carmen Maria Machado. She's one of my favorite writers. She's the author of In the Dream House. She also, it turns out, is a huge horror fan and a huge fan of Alien specifically. Carmen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to talk to you because, um, first of all, we knew that you were a fan of Alien and a fan of horror. But also, like, you're writing sort of, you use kind of horror imagery as like a tool of like metaphor and to like express all these human things. And Alien, watching it, I kind of felt like, oh, this is... This is like a horror movie that makes me wish I was in college. So it's like, clearly there's like stuff going on here. I felt like it was like sort of lightly brushing past my stupid brain. I basically wanted to do the dumb person thing of being like, Carmen, what does the movie mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's a good, the feeling that you're watching something and you're like, I know there's a lot of stuff going on here and I kind of want a chance to chew on it is like a really good response. Um and for me, I feel like is one of my favorite types of responses to a piece of art. Because I feel like if you're watching a thing and you're like, okay, got it. That's like not a great response, you know? Right. Like I, we watched Nightmare on Elm Street, which like there was, there are totally things I appreciate about it. But I was like, I know what this movie, like this movie is about the fear of fear and it's about nightmares. Like there's something, there's like weird sideways. Like, okay. So like, for instance, in Alien, one of the first thing where I was like, oh, something's going on here is like the ship's called Mother... The whole thing, like, it's like you're watching the process of a thing being born in, like, a hugely grotesque and scary way. Like, like what the fuck is going on with the motherhood stuff in this movie? <laughs> well, I opinion. also should, like, th like, there is, like, a whole, like, sort of, this is also true of, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but there's, like, an arm of academia that has, like, been devoted to, like, this film in particular. Yeah, there's, like, an because alien I think it has cottage industry of interpret totally. interpretation. Really? Here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, because you're right, because it has, like, so much happening in it. Um I mean, for me, the sort of dominant themes or ideas are about, like, class and, like, corporations and capitalism. And then I feel like the other arm is, like, birth, womanhood. Yeah, like, the body, the sort of grotesque body. Um, and, I mean, this is also a theme that, like, they sort of knowingly kind of string through a lot of the other like the sequels and prequels and yeah, the the second uh, yeah. alien is all about the aliens protecting their eggs and and Ripley protecting uh, a, a sort of daughter stand in because her own daughter is became an old woman and died. Yes, while she was in hypersleep. Uh, right. Yeah. So like she never gets to like see her own daughter again, and then she like yeah, there's like a daughter surrogate. Um, aliens is really good. Also, I mean, if you liked Alien, like Aliens is. I actually did. Really great. I, I told Alex this, but I. I did enjoy Alien. Like, it felt like it was about a lot of stuff. And I like yeah. movies to be about a lot of stuff. You just couldn't figure yeah. out what it was about. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I <laughs> noticed the class stuff. And I think that was actually one of the things that made the movie feel real to me is, like, you have people being like, I'm not getting paid enough to be on this fucking scary space mm -hmm. mining mission. And, like, that felt like they did a really good job of making the dynamics between the crew. They got, like, workplace tension down really well, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and it just made it feel like you're not just in a scary scene generating machine. I mean, part of what makes the first one so good and the sequel sort of diminishing returns is as they go on, the metaphors get a a lot more ham-handed, especially with, like, the company, the mysterious company controlling everything, and the motherhood stuff gets much more explicitly weird and not as sort of subtle and frightening, I think. What do you mean frightening? The thing that I think makes Alien interesting and subject to so much interpretation is that it doesn't explain too much. And as the movies go on, it's like, it's like, Ripley's the mom. Newt is the girl she's protecting. Oh. And then in the and then in the third one, spoilers for everyone who hasn't seen the third one, Ripley has an alien inside of her and there's all kinds of weird birth stuff. Yeah, it, you're right. It doesn't like it's it's it, it's full of metaphor without being like shoved full of metaphor, which I think is actually they made this accidental magic with alien that I think is like hard to reproduce. And, like, one of my favorite parts is, like, when they first enter that one chamber where there's, like, that creature, like, in the chair. Yes. Oh, yeah. And they're, and they're, like, what the fuck? And you're, like, what the fuck? And, like, it's never – I mean, you – I mean, when it's – when the movie's over, you're, like, okay, so clearly I have, like, a loose sense of, like, something happened. But, like, yeah, that's never – you're never given, like, in the dawn of time, like, this – you know, like, you're never given this, like, huge backstory. I think that is, like, the power of it is, like, it's just so horrifying and feels so ancient and unexplainable and, like – gives the aliens this sense of dimension and space that feels, like, horrifying on this, like, primordial level. I watched a documentary about the movie a couple days ago, and one of the things they were saying is they were like, we were mid-production, the studio came to the set, they are like, what the fuck is this big thing you're building, and why are you spending so much money on it? And he was like, you don't understand. Like, it's gotta be scary. And they were like, just make them go down into a hole and find eggs. And he was like, no, that's not how it works. You gotta have the yeah. space jockey. <laughs> well, it, it, it gave you that feeling of like, I think that was my most, like that was the part that got seared into my brain the most too. And it just gave you the feeling of like, you're shining a little flashlight into a world that's yeah. way bigger than you're ever going to understand. Exactly. You can't really like do that with like backstory and like neat kind of narratives that like meet up with each other. Right. You know? Carmen, like where, I don't actually know where you are on the uh, me, Alex's scary gradient. And I don't know where, how scary Alien is for you as well. Like, are you a scaredy cat? No, I, well, I mean, no, I'm not, no, I'm not a scaredy cat. I, I love horror. Um, I find horror very bracing and very soothing. Um, This is what I'm always saying. Maybe you can explain it better than I, than I can. (laughs) Yeah. Can you try to explain it? Because this is one of the things I feel like I'm shopping for is like, I feel like, um, I'm trying to get everybody to talk me into buying a car, but like the car is a feeling and the feeling is like enjoyable fear. Sure. Well, I think, I mean, I I should also like, I mean, I'm a very anxious person. So like for me, I'm deeply anxious. I'm on, I'm medicated for anxiety. I go to therapy. I, I am a hypochondriac. Like I, I, I sort of, you know, I'm kind of very highly strung in all the ways you would sort of expect. Um, so it would seem weird that like for me that horror would really speak to me, but I think what it is, is that it creates this this sort of change in my internal temperature that I find really pleasurable because I feel like, you know, when you consume a piece of art and like, it, it can be anything. It can be like, like looking like watching a episode of TV or watching a movie or reading a book or looking at a painting or whatever, where there's some sort of shift, however, it's sort of small that happens inside of you. And it can be in any direction. It doesn't have to be like, I feel like better or smarter. It can be like, I feel more afraid and alone as if like, you know, the sense of like the, 
the bigness and nobleness of the universe, you've sort of like, you've like moved in some direction, like towards in one direction or the other, like towards it. Um, and I, and I feel like for me, it reminds me in this like sort of soothing way of like where I exist. And it reminds me that there's so much I don't know. And then I must find comfort in that because otherwise, like how can I wake up in the morning? Yeah. I like that too. I think like for me, like one of the things as I've been like thinking about why it's hard for me to enjoy this thing and and like I want to enjoy it. Like I want I don't I think in the beginning it was just like ha 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 I'm doing something that's awful for me. Um and now I'm like no, I actually want I want to get in the pistachio of this thing. But I think that the thing that I really am ha- like I've had like one or two years of my life where just like a lot of really bad things happened that were like not they didn't feel like meaningful tragedy. They felt really meaningless and awful. And for like a year, the world just like tasted like cigarettes and everything felt like a farce. And I felt like a sad little nihilist. And then like things got better. And there's like a kind of horror that likes to end on that feeling, you know, where it's like yeah. it's never a happy ending. The heroes never win. Meaning isn't found. It's just like people are punished by something awful and there's tiny moments where their head gets above water, but it's always pushed down in the end. And like with alien, it felt like, I don't know. Sigourney, we were such a fucking badass. Like it felt, it felt like you could face your fears with someone who was going to like kick fears ass. And I think for me, I have a harder time understanding liking to spend time with that feeling of like nihilism. Yeah. I mean, that that makes sense. I mean, I think also like the thing about horror is it's like an, Sorry, that's my dog shaking herself for reasons unknown. Um, I do feel like there is a sort of genre or a sort of, not even a genre, like a trope of horror in which the ending is sort of despair. The stuff that I really like to watch, I feel like it helps me. This is I'm saying this like it's uh, much more insightful than it is, but like it genuinely helps me understand the world. Like three weeks later when I'm, like, reading a news article about a powerful person doing something awful and trying to figure out why I think it happened, I'm like, oh, well, there's this thing that happened on Breaking Bad that felt true to me about human behavior, and this <laughs> feels true to me. Like, I think another thing I liked about Alien is it's kind of, like, it, it's, like, interested in the people on the ship, even though not in a backstory way, but they feel like real characters mm-hmm. trying to solve a problem totally, in a real yeah. way. Versus a lot of horror, it's just, like, the dumb victim who, like, keeps walking into the woods when they shouldn't walk into the woods, and, like, there's nothing to watch but the monster. Uh, yeah. so, so Carmen, I, I'm curious. So I, I was reading about this movie before I decided to show it to PJ and I read a, an interview with Dan O'Bannon, who was the guy who wrote it. And he said of the movie, he said, this is the quote, I'm going to attack the audience sexually. I'm going to attack the men. I'm going to put in every image I can think of to make the men in the audience cross their legs. And I'm curious, like, what you think. Oh, like, that's interesting. Like, I think that so much of the alien architecture and just like the way it kills was like all super phallic well what i think is so interesting about the alien is it's both phallic and uh, what is the equivalent of uh, um just to jump on this grenade for you it seems like a penis vagina it seems like a right. monster yeah, with a penis both. vagina yeah Big, right because like okay the face hugger is like this like sort of encompassing thing and there's a word Circlusion, which is like the opposite of penetration. Oh, wow. Which I know because I write a lot of super gay fiction. So, <laughs> um, like, I, I was like, there must be a word that means the opposite of penetration. So, like, the idea of like, like in, in, engulfing as the act, like, as the sort of central act instead of being penetrated. So, so that's it's circlusion. And so, 
the the face hugger is like this sort of like I feel like a feeling of like <laughs> oh my god people get so mad at me like cunnilingus like the sense of just like it's like you're like he's like he's like being sort of suffocated and like held in this like thing that's like on his face and then when it comes out of him it's both a birth imagery but the alien that comes out of him is super phallic like it looks right. like a it looks like penis, a little dick. right yeah absolutely and then and then like it runs away it's like a little dick just like running um <laughs> but mean, then also like there's a lot of like vagina dentata sort of imagery like this idea of like a sort of um like it kind of opens and there's teeth but then like a thing comes out of it i feel like the, the a good read of it would be that it's sort of both what makes the movie so good is that it doesn't actually fit it doesn't neatly fit into any of these categories. It's not like the alien is a woman and the crews are men or yeah. like, cause everything also, I feel like the ship is so interesting because it's like both really, it's like metal and like moisture. So right. it's like yes. wet, there's like wet flaps and it's very like organic looking while also looking really clinical and sort of metallic. And I feel like that, um, that combination is very unsettling and like very weird and feels no, no pun. Like distinctly alien, and I think we also haven't talked about like Geiger. Like we right, we haven't talked about the sort of aesthetic, like the guy behind the alien and behind the design of the ships. Um, I, was I actually don't know. Like, the only thing I know, which is like a, a piece of like cliche trivia that I don't even know how it's been knocked this hard in my brain. I know that Geiger is a German, possibly he's uh, he's Swiss, uh, and it's Geiger. So Geiger oh, okay, yeah. is a person who designed the monsters, and that he was like, if we give them no eyes, it's scarier. That's everything I know. I mean, he so he did yeah. these like airbrush paintings in the seventies, and like they were. I, I remember them. I mean, other than Alien, like the place that I saw them was like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer album covers and shit. Like that's the kind of stuff <laughs> that I saw. His whole thing was sort of like a combination of Egyptian stuff. Like he really loved like the sort of uh, hieroglyph look of Egyptian stuff with like flesh and technology and like that's where this character came from but like everything he did was just a bunch of penises basically right and i i think that also so a story that i've read about giger that i really love is apparently like he was stopped at an like going through security at an airport and he had like drawings like from like his sort of character designs or like his of, of from alien and apparently a security guard asked him if they were photographs because they were like very realistic looking and he said where would i have photographed them in hell sir we're taking you to the side for extended screening <laughs> <laughs> but i i don't know the, the, I, I think also like part of what makes alien work is the fact that it does have this also this sense of vision in it's the sense that like the the aesthetics are so distinct and like yeah. i think part of it is the fact that his sort of vision for these movies or his vision for like the aesthetics of the movie and like sort of the way that they pull it together like really really has a sort of forceless vision that again like sort of defies like easy metaphor and just has its own like weird internal logic that like makes the movie work. Yeah. I I think you're totally right. I think it's a movie where you kind of imagine a person being like it, it's just so clear that somebody was like no, the spaceship has to be exactly this wet and this exactly. kind of wetness and like yeah. obviously mm -hmm. it's metal, there's no wood and you're like I don't know why you're right but you are right. Like and once exactly. you see it it's right. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's like it's like a, it's like being inside of a person's brain, you yeah. know, and like I also feel like there's a thing that I, I I think I know about Alien as a film is that 
like Ripley was not supposed to be a woman in the beginning. Yeah, like no, all the characters were supposed to, were, all the characters were written as men, but it was like, they were kind of like, it could be, all the characters could be men or women. It doesn't really matter. I was surprised. I feel like I had a different, I felt differently about Ripley than I think I felt about maybe any character in a movie. Um, like, I've never watched a movie before where I was like, I felt like she was protecting me. Like I was like, <laughs> I'm safe in this movie because Ripley's here. And I'm like, of course, being, be... she's definitely she's... a queer character, right? I mean, we don't know, but I, I mean, certainly I read her that way. She feels very gay to me, but also all everyone feels gay to me. It's <laughs> 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 like a problem that I have. I mean, I feel like there are lots of very good readings of her that I feel like, yeah, you could. I mean, I read her as a gay character, but I don't think there's any like actual sort of textual evidence for that. I think it's just. I just, I don't know. I love her so much. I honestly wish there was a button I could hit watching other scary movies that would make Ripley show up. And then I could watch it. <laughs> she bust through the wall like Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, no one's watching this movie anymore. It's cursed. And she'd, like, snap it over her leg and play it with a flamethrower. Like, if there was a oh, Ripley button, I'd be fine. Oh, that's really beautiful. I really love that. Um, so PJ, <laughs> uh-huh. are you ready? Are you ready for your next assignment? Oh, yes. I'm ready for my next assignment. Uh, okay. So what I've learned so far is that you enjoy movies. You enjoy horror. What I've learned. Let's so not, let's, let's watch our verbs here. Okay. What I've learned so far is that you don't enjoy horror movies that are sort of like of the, that are like very, very genre and very, very sort of gross you like good movies you don't like the trash is what i'm uh-huh. trying to say yeah and and keeping that in mind with the end goal being that you can enjoy modern horror movies that are not trashy i'm going hard this week bud okay because i'm hitting you with a double feature i i've watched two movies yes you do okay um they are the ari aster films midsummer and hereditary are you fucking kidding me? No, I'm dead serious. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Oh my god, dude. Wait, can we can I recommend that you watch them in a certain order? Sure. <laughs> I think you should watch Hereditary first and then Midsommar. Oh my god, I can't believe this is happening to me. So, I've been thinking a lot about this cuz I know this is a big leap, man. This is the biggest These are the movies that like like, this is, like, just, like, shoving, like, hot peppers in your mouth and keeping them there. Well, Like, let, I've been eating, like, Chili's tacos. First, let me say, those reports are overblown. It's just not true. Uh-huh. And second, I found a... The I, glee on Carmen's face right now really <laughs> suggests that the reports are properly blown. Like, I, I can tell you're scared of the very idea of watching these movies. Yes, I'm scared. I I make no promises that any of these fucking rules are getting followed. Like, no promise I'm watching at night. No promise that I'm watching, like, without pausing. If I... Oh, man, I wish they would lift fucking quarantine, dude. But I I will watch this with somebody. Well, okay, so here's the thing. I would like to watch these movies with you. Remotely. Okay, that feels better. That feels a little better. But but part of the reason that we picked these is not just because I think you like movies that are very good and also scary, but, like, Carmen has a lot of feelings about the, these movies. 
Oh, so this is also your fault, Garvin? Actually, it was my idea. Um, <laughs> like, like they were like, what do you want to do? And I was like, so here's the thing. I was like, I feel like Midsommar, I feel like I feel like they actually work really well as a pair. And I would want to talk with them as a pair. <laughs> so oh. it's really, you can totally blame me for this. I'm sorry. I do. Um, I do totally blame you for this. <laughs> I, um, yeah. I mean, I think, I just sort of speaking generally about like, uh, yeah, I think I think if if your thing is like I want to watch good movies that also happen to be in the horror genre, I think this is definitely the way to go. I really genuinely do. But they're um, very. They, would you agree that these are movies that are scarier than 1979's Alien? Uh, I think they're different. I mean, I think the pacing of Alien is very like not modern. Like it's sort of slow in this really interesting way. And I think that Ari Aster. I mean, I think that those that, that both those movies. There is a sort of like like meditative quality to some of those to parts of those movies that I think actually is kind of similar to Alien. Um, so yeah, I mean they're scary. I'm not gonna lie, they're scary and unsettling in a lot of I just ways. But I think the I think you can do off it. My hoodie by accident. From <laughs> is how I'm feeling. Yes. I think if you can get through Alien and like admire and appreciate Alien, I think you'll be able to get through these movies. I do. I actually do. I am. Uh, I wish there was a word that wasn't excited. Uh, I am. You're excited. I'm not excited. I am apprehensive. I mean, I, I I guess a thing, a silver lining, is I was Midsommar is actually very similar to Get Out, and then I was like, oh, everyone's going to talk about a movie for three months. Like a formative memory of mine is like I had a, an early reputation as a scaredy cat. There was this day in first grade where the teacher took the day off and left us with a sub, and the sub put on a for lunch a live action video of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And I was like, this could scare me. I'll take my lunch in the hallway. And the teacher came back from lunch and was like, you got scared of the seven dwarves? And just like walked <laughs> in, leaving my like burned corpse behind her. <laughs> and that feeling of just being left out as a coward where it's like, everyone's going to talk about Midsommar for like three months and I just won't get to have an opinion. Like I, I, again, I wish there was a word milder than looking forward to, but a silver lining will be that I will get to experience something that other people experience, which is one of the things that makes me feel like a human being. Well, maybe you're also anticipating is is you're beginning the experience of your temp- internal temperature changing. Like you're beginning, you're like at the precipice of like a thing that's going to make you feel, uh, you know, you're about to feel like unsettled and upset in some very, in some way. Yes. And it's like you're anticipating your own growth. Growth. I hope so. I fucking hope so. <laughs> I guess I knew this. I knew at some point I felt this whole experience itself has been like a horror movie. And it's like the movies we've watched, I know are the early scares. Like I've known there was going to come a time where there would be a, a drop like on a roller coaster. And this is just a steeper one than I anticipated, but I knew this would happen and I am going to get through it. Okay. Or, or you'll show up to record the next episode. I just won't be there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's let's okay, let's 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 do it. I think it's gonna be great. <laughs> I'll just change my name and hide. I'm here for you, bud. Good luck. Thank you. See you on the other side. <laughs> oh, thank you, Carmen.
Carmen Maria Machado is the author of In the Dream House, which I highly recommend. Scaredy Cat's Horror Show is hosted by PJ Vogt and me, Alex Goldman. The show is produced by Jessica Young and Shruti Pinmanani, and it was edited by Tim Howard. We're mixed by Kate Belinsky. Fact-checking by Michelle Harris. Our intern is Lisa Wang. Our theme song is by Mariana Romano, and the closing theme song is by me. Our cover art was made by Ali Moss. Don't forget to watch Hereditary and Midsummer for the next episode. They're both on Amazon Prime. We'll be back in two weeks. You can catch new episodes early on Spotify on Tuesdays, and you can hear the show everywhere else on Fridays. Thanks for listening. <laughs>